Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Thank Your Pain podcast, where we take the painful moments in our lives and find the lessons and blessings from them. And today we are so blessed to have Barlas Gune with us. He is a psychologist and a certified meditation and mindfulness teacher based in the Netherlands. He specializes in treating depression, anxiety, abandonment, childhood trauma, relationship issues with CBT, schema therapy, person-centered therapy, and mindfulness. He's also passionate about content creation and his Instagram is blowing up right now. Accept and Act is the Instagram where he dives deep into teaching people self-reparenting and achieving freedom through awareness. So today I actually went through and created a whole bunch of questions for Barlas to kind of deep dive, discuss with us and answer. So first of all, Barlas, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Did I end up pronouncing your last name incorrectly when I- It's perfect. <laughs> no, Barlas, you know, it's all good. Don't worry oh about it. Oh my God. I don't know you. I literally <laughs> asked him before I came on, I was like, how do you pronounce yeah. it? And then it's one of those things where my natural way to pronounce it, I said yeah, Gunai, didn't good. I? It's all sorry. good. Sorry, Yeah. Yeah. Gunai. <laughs> so thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. And, you know, I always, I always love, you know, having this format of- question and answer but then you know we go to all kinds of different places and then we bring it all back and it's it's amazing i love it yeah can't wait yeah well thank you so much for being here and just quickly how long have you been a psychologist for and what inspired you to start the instagram yes yes so i finished my grad school in at the end of 2013 so we're at the end of 2022, like nine years, I've been doing full-time individual psychotherapy with adults. But before that, you know, I worked through grad school as a teaching assistant and as an intern psychologist. And then before that, for a year, I was in the Turkish army. Again, that's the mandatory military service, but again, not doing like psychometrics, testing people. You know, I couldn't do therapy back then because I, I didn't have my graduate degree yet. But, you know, I have 14 years of job experience doing a bunch of different things related to psychology. But nine years psychotherapy meditation mindfulness teaching uh, mindfulness teacher and uh, my instagram i started in april 2020 like a month after covid hit of course because finally i had all this time (laughs) and i've been wanting to start an instagram account completely influenced by the holistic psychologist nicole with whom i had a instagram live like two weeks ago by the way it was like a dream come through i saw that Um, that was really cool yeah yeah so i was like you know, I have all this training, all this experience. I see a bunch of clients every day and I'm learning so much and I want to share this. And I got to share it, but I was so scared because that's our training as psychologists, you know, like you have to, you have to keep it to yourself and, you know, all that. So I had this huge resistance, but, you know, the more I saw these therapists taking on to social media, I was like, okay, bye, let's do it. And then I had all this time back in 2020 suddenly. So I got on it. It's been a little over two years now. And I'm almost up to 30,000 followers and it's growing steadily. It's amazing. The messages, the the comments, people asking questions, people telling me how my content has been, you know, helping them heal, changing their lives, which is exactly why I do this work for free every day. Yeah, it's amazing. I love yeah. it. That's you know? that's so amazing and I love that the holistic psychologist really did become she she became the gateway, I think for a lot yeah. of psychologists too. Yeah to be able to share their information. And so along the lines of your specific niche and kind of what you share on Instagram, a lot of it relates to abandonment and childhood trauma and reparenting the inner child, the inner child. So questions that I want to ask you, I wanted to kind of start off with, 
just deep diving right in. So one of the first questions that popped up for me, because forgiveness is one of those things that's thrown around a lot. Like you got to forgive someone for you. And so I want to know from your perspective, is it necessary to forgive our parents to properly heal the inner child? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. A lot of misunderstanding on this topic. The short answer is no, you don't have to forgive anybody except for yourself. You don't have to forgive your parents to be able to heal. But also, of course, there are details to it. There's there's a nuance to it. Now, if and when we are wronged by someone, we are abused, neglected, traumatized, or we were emotionally abandoned, physically abandoned, it doesn't matter. As children, when we have some kind of need that's going unmet, it doesn't matter what happened, you know, like maybe your parents died and they can't take care of that need, or maybe they're extremely abusive that they can't take care of. It doesn't matter. For the child, all they know is that they have a need and it's not being taken care of. So that creates frustration, anger, sadness, anxiety, and children, you know, turn it against themselves because if you turn it against the parent, uh, you might be abandoned, you might be punished, plus you don't have the awareness, you don't have the power to say, okay, you guys are not uh, giving me the childhood that I want, peace out. You can't do that. (laughs) You depend on them completely. You don't have the power. You don't have the awareness. You don't have the resources. So you kind of like unconsciously adapt to it. You suck it up. And, you know, no matter what they do, you, you find a way to fit in, to, to live with them. So now what we do is that first of all, all of that anger, all of that frustration. And let me put a pause there. Yeah. How, what are some of the ways that a child will turn on themselves when they feel subconsciously or consciously abandoned by their parents? Yeah. I'm worthless. I'm unlovable because why would they abandon me? They are the adults. I'm the child. I must have done something wrong. I must have deserved it. I must have brought it upon myself. I must have been a bad kid. That's how the mind of the child works because they don't have the self-awareness yet. They don't have the abstract thinking, complex thinking, and they think very centrically, which is, you know, everything's about them because as babies, you don't say anything, you know, you don't do anything, but all your needs, well, most of your needs are met. You know, I think they call it magical omnipotence in psychodynamic literature. It's like, you know, you cry and the food appears, you know, you poop yourself and the cleaning appears. It's like, oh my God, you know, I'm like a God, you know, I I have these crazy powers of just by like willing things into existence. You know, I cause everything, you know, I get hungry and whoa, you know, I get the food. So it's the same logic. It, it continues. And then, you know, we think we're responsible for everything as children, but we're not, you know, it's, it's like this false, you know, really based thinking. So because of that, children always blame themselves for abandonment, for abuse. Unfortunately, you know, I must've done something wrong because they don't have the skills to say, well, you know, my parents are just bad people, abusive people. They're narcissists, whatever. They are drug addicts. And that's why I'm getting neglected. That sucks. It's not my fault. There's nothing wrong with me. It's just them failing as parents. They can't say that. So it turns against them. Plus a part of them wants to protect the parents too, because they love the parents and they want the, to, the parents to love them too. So you can't be like, well, you know, I hate you guys. You don't take care of me. So it gets all twisted in that way. Yeah. And- I'm Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, like, because I love that you're explaining all of this in the mind of a child. And that just brought awareness to one of my other questions I was going to ask. When someone becomes an adult and they acknowledge this, they still have the polar feelings, right? 
I'm mad at them because I don't feel like they showed up the way I wanted, but I also love them because they're my parents. And so there's kind of like two questions in this, knowing that we're all human and someone is going through this process. How does, you know, where do we draw the line between compassion for what our parents may have gone through for understanding that they're human and also validating our own pain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can do both. And I think the ideal is to try to do the both because, you know, you can understand where somebody's coming from, you know, they had their own traumas too, blah, 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 and have boundaries with them. You know, like it doesn't mean that, you know, you're automatically going to to become best friends with them, something like that. So, you know, all the frustration and anger first the, the the heavy, hard, deep emotional work, the deep pain work, you know, you, you guys abandoned me. I mean, not to them, but, you know, in, in therapy or whatever, in coaching, you know, you guys abandoned me. It sucked, you know, God damn it, blah, 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 blah. All that anger of the inner child from 20 years ago, 50 years ago, whatever, it has to come out. It all has to come out. You have to understand how it affected you. You, as you said, you know, you have to understand why it happened. You know, maybe your parents were abused too, and they never healed from it. La la la. You understand all of that, and then at the end of that long road of emotion work and self healing and emotion regulation, if and when you're ready, if you want to, if you choose to, and if your parents are showing, you know, some kind of empathy and accountability, sure, you know, sure, you're gonna, you can forgive, you can do whatever you want, but it's not a requirement to heal. It's something that's optional that comes at the end of all that emotional work, all that therapy, all that reparenting. And then, you know, I would say it's like 5% of the healing work. Do the 95% first and then the last 5%, mm, we'll see. Depends on how you feel. But of course, you cannot forgive if they're still like abusing you or something because, you know, there are parents like that, like they're still extremely intrusive and they're doing stuff to the, and then you can't, you know, and, and forgiving doesn't take away what happened anyways. It's just something you do, you know, it's, it's done. It's never going to get changed. You have to process the emotions first, see how it affected you. And then if you want, you can do it. And forgiveness is for you. But what I always say is that forgive yourself for the childhood that you had. You know, it doesn't matter what happened. It doesn't matter why it happened. You were just a child. You were complete. You were completely at the mercy of your caregivers, of your environment. They should have taken care of your needs they didn't. That's not your fault. It's not because of something you did. It's not because you failed. It's not because you're worthless. It's not because you're bad. Just don't blame yourself. Forgive yourself. And then forgiving the parents depends on many different variables, but it's not a must. That's really powerful. So going off of that, what you just said, some parents still continue the cycle of abuse, whether they know it or not, which brings about another question that I had. If you are an adult who is on this path of healing and you love your parents, but they are still in this cycle of maybe even just being unconscious or bypassing their responsibility of the maybe damage that they had caused you as a child. Yeah. How can you keep a relationship with them? Is it even possible to keep a relationship with them when they actively just divert any responsibility if you've brought it up or, you know, they constantly, they're still invalidating your experience as a child. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And yeah, this opens up so many different things. And I'm so glad you asked this. Okay, the first one, confronting your parents. Um, I think it's like a reflex that happens to everyone. 
sure it was for me, you know, when you go through your own therapy or when you start your healing journey, at some point you feel this anger towards the parents. And I think it's necessary, you know, it's it's good to, to feel that, you know, you're not going to do anything, but uh, just feeling that, acknowledging it. It always comes to this point of, you know, it's like, my God, you know, it's because of you guys, I'm this way. And, you know, like you want to confront them, you know, it's like, why did you do so this? So true, why the blame happens. Exactly, the it's blame, you know, fault. it's like, yeah, it's your fault. Like, why did you do this, mom? Like, why did you do this, dad? Like, God damn it, you know, I, I needed something else, blah, blah, blah. But I think, like, when you do that, 99% of the time, it never goes the way... <laughs> you want it to go you know like it never goes like oh my god baby you know i'm so sorry yes you're right you're completely right you know we should have done this we should have done that never go well maybe like one percent never goes that way and you know if they were able to have that kind of empathy accountability understanding well you wouldn't have these experiences anyways right. so, childhood would have been know, different exactly so <laughs> it's like this chicken and egg thing or you know like between your childhood and now they had this amazing journey of of healing never goes the way we want it to go we never get that empathy we never really really get that understanding they either get defensive it's like how can you say this you know like i sacrificed so much for you and uh, or they just get into this role of like you know you are you're ungrateful and and this and that you know so i think Again, just like forgiveness, confronting the parents is completely optional. If you want to do it, I'm with you 100%, but you don't have to do it to be able to heal. You can do it by yourself. You can write a letter to them. You can put them in an empty chair and yell at them. You can set boundaries with them to you know to express the the the, the anger, you know, the the resentment, whatever. You can have less contact with you can do all of these things, but going there. And, you know, like talking about all these things that went wrong in your childhood with them, it's usually not going to work. And it can be really invalidating for you too, because, you know, what if they don't do that 1% thing of like perfect empathy and understanding and accountability, you're going to come out of that interaction. It's like, fuck, I knew it, you know, like they, so that's one of the things. And then having a relationship with them, it, it's such a good point. You you have amazing questions because this comes up every single day, like in my in my work with my parents, because, you know, you look at your client and, well, you know, I look at myself too. It's like, you know, I've been doing this work, you know, I read the books, I, you know, I follow the Instagram accounts, I watch YouTube videos, like, you know, like I have all this information, all this like awareness, like, like yesterday, I watched like three hours of Dr. Gabor Mate videos and like childhood trauma when I was cooking. Like, you know, it's just always there at like 1.5, 1.75 speed. And I'm, you know, we're learning all this stuff, us, like our generation, I guess. We have all this awareness. We go to therapy. We do the work. You know, we come to this point. It's like, okay, you know, it's not your fault, blah, blah, blah. But what are the parents doing? Like, you know, people who are 50, in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, what are they doing? You know, so we move, we change, we get the awareness. They don't, you know? So you start to 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 relate to them from this like increasingly different plane of existence. You know, it's like you're, you keep growing, they keep staying the same. So it depends, like they don't grow with you, you know, like you're not doing this work together, like, you know, you're not going to, to family therapy for like three years every week. I mean, so they're not going to be on the same page with you. They're not going to be on the same level with you. And then it comes up to you, you know, if they are too triggering, if they're still abusive, if they if there's still things that are really hard for you, of course, you're going to you're going to minimize contact. But you can also find a way 
to keep it kind of like a, a, a you know like a basic protocol of you know like Christmases and birthdays and you know phone calls and things like that's how it is with my mom you know I she lives in Turkey we have an okay relationship but you know I would never spend like you know weeks with her or or things like that you know we call each other it's fine but there are limits like I I do not allow her to criticize me like I do because you know that's what she did when I was a child she was extremely critical she compared us me and my sister she compared us constantly to other kids and you know this this kind of thing about like achievement and you know you got to do this and do that like really high standards really critical so she still tries to do that of course because she never did the work and she never understood how it affected me so we, you know with everything she tries to do that so i don't allow that you know that's where i cut off the conversation and you know when she does that i give it a cool off period you know so if i was calling her like every week then i don't call her for a month you can do that too like like this like really boundaried really careful relationship you still have contact but it's like on your terms a lot of people like me find that to be you know the best approach but it depends of course on what happened some people really find absolutely no contact useful for them and some people find something a little bit warmer a little bit closer so it depends on you depends on what you did depends on your traumas there's no one answer but generally you know like sadly it's this pattern of you know the, the children the adult children healing changing growing becoming aware and the parents kind of staying the same and like never really understanding and you know just being confused and like frustrated yeah or defensive definitely. I can definitely relate to that <laughs> I think everybody yeah. who's listening to this is probably like oh my god this is listening to my life right now especially mm -hmm. a lot of people who are in the same field that that we are it's like this yeah. constant tug of like I'm doing the work I'm healing I'm validating my inner child and I can I can forgive them I can have a relationship with them and then they do something to invalidate your experience or continue the pattern that was going on in childhood and you're hurt again. And then you're constantly like trying to, it's like you're trying to heal your, your inner child by changing. It's like, it's like the more you can heal yourself is, is hoping that somehow that will change the way your parent is a parent to you. And I just feel like I, I really wanted to ask you this question because I had a personal experience, like for me recently, where it was like my whole life, I've been doing this cycle of like, first I was like unconsciously, like unaware of my own wounds and of the wounds that were given. And then I was aware and I was angry and I subconsciously cut off my whole family. And then I was like, no, I can forgive them. And so I kept trying to reach out when I needed support. And every single time it wasn't the support that was, that I needed. And every single time I yet, yet still hoped that it would change. And this last time that I tried it, it was like the straw that broke the camel's back or like the glasses were finally lifted of like, this is, this is not going to be any different. So like, what do I want to do about it? Because no matter how much work I do, it is not going to change who my parents are. And it like really kind of humbled me in a way to be like, your parents are just people and people have choices and Yes. And then it kind yeah. of reveals to you, like, there's so much about, you know, you need to love your family and blood is thicker than water. Yeah, and it's yeah. starting to make me really, really question the devotion to family that's in our narratives, because mm -hmm. a lot of it almost is like 
because someone is family, you can accept abuse because yeah. someone is family. You yeah. can accept mistreatment. And that's when I got really angry again, because I was like, God damn it. This is literally why yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. been accepting these relationships <laughs> that are like this because yeah. I, I'm like, this is why I'm doing that better. But sometimes I think that's, that's like why we need that. We need to kind mm-hmm. of make the mistake mm-hmm. over and over again. So you can actually mm-hmm. see what you're doing, not what they're causing you to do, but yeah. the pattern that you continue to play out because of what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So anger there for you was the perfect response. Like that's what you're supposed to feel, you know, like you can't have that experience and be like, yeah, but they're my parents and no, no. But that's what I did the whole entire time. Exactly. But not anymore because now, you know, because it doesn't matter if if it's your mom, it doesn't matter if it's your dad, if it doesn't matter if it's Jesus Christ, somebody disrespects you, somebody abuses you, somebody crosses a boundary, you have to set a boundary. You know, there has to be some kind of consequence because you have to protect yourself. It's not because you hate them. It's not because they're horrible people. It's because otherwise it's pure chaos and anarchy and drama and craziness if we don't have that, you know, as adults. So it's the right reaction. You get angry because they're crossing a boundary again. I'm sure you said it repeatedly. I'm sure you warned them. I'm sure you talked about it. Nothing gets heard. You know, it's like talking to a wall. And, and you know, that's the problem with emotionally mature parents who have no self-awareness. It's like talking to a wall. You know, they never understand. They never listen. They never change. They're always defensive. There's always an excuse. La, 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 la. So you get angry. That's the perfect reaction. Yeah. Get angry and allow that anger to come out healthily, which is you set your boundaries, you talk to people about your anger, and you process it, and you try to move on. But it's so, 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 so true what you said, you know, all this stuff that we're conditioned about family, like, you know, the blood is thicker than water and blah, 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 blah. You know, every time I post about this stuff, there's a lot of people in the comment sections like, well, you know, you're blaming the parents, you know, family is everything. It's not, it's not everything. You are everything. And if you are getting abused, if you are getting traumatized, then all of that gets thrown out of the window. You know, like the the, the genetic tie between us doesn't allow you to, you know, treat me less than who I am. So that we all need to to rethink this stuff, you know, that that we that we believe about family and, and this and that, you know, it stays in the family, you know, just shut up and keep going, you know, it's your dad, you know, it's your mom. No, no, we're all adults and we have to treat each other with respect and we have to respect the boundaries. We have to be empathetic. We we have to at least try. We have to try to listen. That's how it works. That's how, you know, we, we do the conscious parenting and, and conscious adulting <laughs> things. Without that, it's chaos. And then you have to gaslight yourself into like, yes. you know, gaslighting yourself yeah it's like you know into believing that oh maybe i'm asking too much yeah yeah, yeah. it's me yeah 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 i'm being a brat you know like oh you know i shouldn't get angry you know i'm overreacting and blah 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 blah. and then you know you don't say anything you you act as if what they did wasn't wrong for you but because you do that they think it was okay and then you know they do it again so it's like ah you know so it, it kind of becomes like your like what you were saying earlier, we're all adults now. So um, we have to understand that we can't control anyone, you know, like we can't control uh, our parents. We can't, well, anyone like, you know, your, your friends, your, your 
your spouse, your partners, whatever, can't control any any other adult. We can only control ourselves. So, you know, so do that, you know, so use that power, control yourself, set your boundaries, talk about your needs, talk about your emotions repeatedly, clearly, calmly. And then based on the reaction to that, you make your move. If they're responding well to it, great. We're going to have a relationship and it's going to be awesome. And we're going to keep going. If they're not responding well to that, then you set a boundary and you move on. So yeah, we don't control them, but we control our own responses. And I think that's already an incredible power that we have. And we should use it more instead of going into our conditioning and you know, parroting these things about like family and, you know, get over it. But you know, what if someone is like, you know, you're, I think the reason why we fall into that conditioning though, is because the discomfort of feeling rejected from the path, feeling suddenly alone, or it almost, we almost kind of like validate our own abandonment. If we put up a boundary, because what if our parent doesn't do the work. What if they don't show up for us? So we almost think it's better to self-abandon in that moment than to risk our parents fully validating that they are not going to show up, that they are not going to be the parent that we wanted. We would like to keep the facade alive that this is okay. I mean, that's what I did. I mean, and I didn't know that I was doing it until I had an outburst on this phone call. My inner child just like woke the fuck up yeah. In a burst yeah. of anger. And for the first time in my whole 28 years of life <laughs> at this parent who was invalidating once again, my experience, I was like, you d- yeah. like, and, and so I just think it's crazy because once that bubble burst, then I was like, what am I even keeping alive? What mm. am I keeping alive? Because this has never been satisfying. This has only been placating a false yeah. relationship. Yeah. And so yeah. that is kind of like the, you know, the root cause of that question that I asked yeah. you is, you know, is it, is it possible to keep a healthy relationship or even what is the desire or is it healthy yeah. to let the idea of a relationship go? Because yeah. you can put up yeah. boundaries, but what is a boundary if the relationship is not have any foundation? Exactly, exactly. And so this is such a great point because this is the heart of the inner child work, you know, because that part of us that says, you know, I still want their love, I still want to be accepted, I still want to to get the affection and attention, you know, I still want to have like a good enough mom, God damn it, you know, like why don't I have it? You know, all the other kids have it, or at least, you know, that's what it looks like. Why can't I have my own like, you know, sweet good enough mom, who's going to take care of me, who's going to understand me, la, 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 la. That's all coming from the inner child. And all of that has to be validated, normalized, and held because these are perfectly normal reactions. Like, of course, you're going to love your parents, you know, like, of course, you're going to want to be loved by them. Come on, you know, like, this is the most normal thing in the universe, but within reason and within boundaries. So, That's where the heart of the inner child work happens. So it's about being your own good enough parent. Like it's about doing this thing that your parents were never able to do to you. So you sit down with the, with the emotions of the inner child. You say, okay, baby, you know, I hear you. I understand, you know, you still love them and you know, that's fine. It would be weird if you didn't love them, but at the same time you're angry and you know, there's a lot of resentment. There's a lot of problems. I hear you. I'm going to take care of you. 
but we can't we can't go back to them you know we can't have this like perfect relationship that you want to have i'm sorry like it's just the way it is and your inner child's gonna gonna protest they're gonna cry they're gonna fight back and you're gonna hold that boundary you're gonna hold that loving self-discipline you know we already talked about it you know your emotions are fine they are valid but we're not going to act on them because every time we act on them you get hurt and i am not going to allow you to get hurt again so you know validate control the behaviors validate control the behavior just like you would do with a child you know like if 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 they wanted something that you know that wasn't suitable for them or that that was bad for them that's what you would do it's like yeah baby like i know you really want this but you can't have it for this 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 reasons and that's it like you know if if you're sad about this if you're angry about this that's fine we can talk about it for for days and days and days but it's not going to happen so but and also then, sometimes i think it's us as the adult that tries to silence the pain of our inner child yeah, like yeah. your inner child is like I said, I, I just did an outburst on the phone I'd never done before yeah. because I was so well yeah. controlled. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, and I felt this anger yeah. and I was like, this is definitely an inner child, like tantrum being like, Elise, you've kept me down for so long yeah. and I'm not yeah. doing it anymore. I'm not pretending anymore. Yeah. And, and validating that pain and waking up and being like, wait a minute. No, I, my inner child, like me as a child, that's what the inner child is. It's like you yeah. as a child was in pain at a certain moment of your mm -hmm. life. And then, mm -hmm. like you said, no longer gaslighting yourself yeah. and actually listening and being like, okay, I see that you're wounded and I am no mm -hmm. longer going to invalidate this. And yes. I, as the adult now, am going to reparent you by doing the right thing yeah. of drawing boundaries with these adults who hurt you. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's it. That's it. And that's why it's so hard because it's all about this like inner back and forth dialogue. You know, that's why we're always talking about like meditating and journaling and, you know, going to therapy, going to coaching, like, you know, trying to do this work, trying to understand where you're coming from, what happened to you and why, because only through that can you build the, the, this, the huge amount of self-compassion that's going to be required to deal with the tantrums of the inner child you know just like you just like again like if you're a parent how to to deal with the tantrums of your of your little child because their tantrums are completely valid you know like as, as an adult you look at it and you're like oh my god you know like what's the big deal but for them it's the end of the world you know to to like you not giving them that cookie or whatever you know something little it's, it's the end of the world for them in that second and to be able to contain that rage and and that hate even you know like because in that second you know the, the little little child maybe they, they they hate you you know because you don't give them what you want and then they get over it but to be able to contain those difficult emotions to be able to contain those big emotions you need self compassion you need to constantly remind yourself you know they're a child they're a child it's okay you know they have needs they don't have well they don't they literally don't have the brain wiring yet to be able to like stop themselves or filter that reaction or constantly reminding yourself these facts and then you know breathing you know it's like okay my inner child like really wants to go back to the parents and that's okay but we're not going to do that because when we do that everything gets worse and you know we've been here before we're not going to be here again you know this is for your 
for your growth because you have to be authentic too with the, with the inner child and also with your children too. You have to be honest. You have to be authentic. You can't you know say one thing one day and then another thing the next day. You said you're not going to do that. You know you're, you 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 said you you were going to hold the boundary, so you're going to hold the boundary. And if you can't for whatever reason or if it should change, then you explain it to them. You explain it to yourself. Absolutely. Well, you brought up a really good point that I I want to confirm or not because I feel like I've read yeah. in some studies. Yeah, yeah. When you're going through life as a baby, you know, your brain is creating a template for how it should respond. How am I loved? How am I validated? How do I survive in this environment optimally? And if at whatever certain age you are introduced to a traumatic event, you know, psychologically, you can kind of have, I think it's called arrested development at that age where, where you yeah. are stuck, like your inner child will have different ages yeah. to which it's learned a certain thing. Yeah. And it's kind of stuck in that mentality. So you could be like 35 yeah. and have like a seven-year-old mind when it comes to relationships because you learned a yeah. certain template. Is that true? Can you yes. kind of like confirm this? It's true. It's true. And that's what unmet needs in childhood and uh, and the resulting trauma does to us. It shows up in research too. Mm -hmm. It turns off our gut feeling. It turns off our authenticity. You know, your well, gut feeling is the authenticity but it's it's bigger than that so if you're constantly being invalidated if you're constantly being neglected traumatized then you you are taught this this programming which is like well you know your needs don't matter your emotions don't matter they're not important so you know think something else feel something else do something else have different needs i don't care you know something else don't cry so much whatever so there is that break between who you really were going to be if you had parents who were you know emotionally mature enough to contain your difficult parts and that break happens and you stay at that age where you were you know in, where, where you had this like incredibly invalidating or traumatic experience and that part never grows up until you come back and you look at it. So for example, you know, when I was three years old, you know, I really wanted to, to start dancing lessons, but you know, my dad beat me up and said, you know, that's for sissies or something like that. That's going to stay with me. I'm always going to be that three-year-old little boy, you know, who wanted to do something creative with his body, you know, wanted to explore some kind of like movement and self-expression with his body, but it was shut down so horribly. So I'm going to stay there as the three-year-old boy. My body's going to, to develop. My other psychological parts will develop. But, you know, when there's something about dancing or whatever, like self-expression in that way, I'm always going to have that pain and fear. And, you know, maybe I'm going to, to compensate by, you know, by rage or doing the opposite, that, that I do the same thing that my dad did to me, you know, and, or I get incredibly sad or something like that. So there are, you know, a bunch of different trauma responses, but it's true. Like th that's what trauma does. Psychologically, it's like a developmental obstacle that keeps you there. And then, you know, I think the age that we are in our body is no. never the age that we are mentally because no. at no. different points in your life, no. you are <laughs> constantly being inuated with different yeah. like lessons and societal yeah. standards and, and what expectations you have. So like you are all these different ages in, in no. your mind, as opposed to just, I'm 35. So I'm 35 for everything. It's like, Oh no, no that's why you have old souls. And that's why you see people who feel like you, they never grew up. You're yeah. like, dude, that guy's like 55 running around, you know, and no yeah. idea what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it is. That's the problem.
Yeah, that's the problem. That's why and, your you know, healing is also eternal, right? You can't just go to therapy mm-hmm. for a year and mm-hmm. be like, I'm all better now. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you you may have solved like a majority of the attachment style problems yeah. or, you know, big things that have been impacting your life, but your evolution is always eternal. Evolution. Yeah. Yeah. Self-reparenting is for life. You know, it's it's really intimidating, but I think it's getting more and more accepted. I was so happy to see that in in Nicole LaPere's book, you know, how to do the work. She says it in the book, like right off the bat. It's like, well, you know, this work thing, you know, the work, you you have to find it, you know, what works for you and do it for the rest of your life. You know, like no bullshit. You know, I'm not going to tell you you're going to be fine after like two weeks or you have to do this for the rest of your life. Now, not, of course, like not at this intensity, like not at this level. It's easier. It gets easier and easier and easier. And also it makes perfect sense because the inner child is always there. Like it doesn't matter if you're a hundred years old, there's still a part of you that's that's vulnerable, that needs a lot of care and love and understanding. The, the little you, like your three, four, five, six, seven year old version, it's always there. So you always have to take care of some parts that's going to be a little bit childish, a little bit immature, a little bit like needy and vulnerable and, and wounded. So you're always going to have to do that. Like, you know, you're always going to have to clean yourself. You're always going to have to like cook, feed yourself. You're always going to have to pay your bills. Like it's the same thing. Like you will always have this little child until you die. And every day you have to do some kind of uh, self-parenting, some kind of self-reparenting to take care of them. But that's okay because that's a part of your daily routine anyways, after you get over, you know, the first months or first years of this like intensive, like awakening and, you know, doing the work, like going to therapy, as you said, like do whatever works for you, you know, you do that intensely. And then, you know, you kind of like learn that language and then for the rest of your life, you use that language. Wow. So powerful. And so acknowledging that the work for ourselves is a never ending process, right? Healing the inner child, doing the work, what do we do when we become parents? What do you do if you are dead terrified? You know, because from what I can see, there's no perfect human. So there is no way to escape accidentally traumatizing yeah. your child in yeah. some way, shape or form, which is most of the way, reason why we just yeah. do not want to have children because I'm terrified. Yeah. Oh my God. Now, now yeah. because I'm conscious and aware, I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I'm going to screw up this person's life and yeah. I don't want to do that. So how do we balance that? Yeah. This is such an important point. And there's another big hard, big hard truth there. So, so many of us are not ready to, to be parents because nothing gets taught about it in school, in our culture. It's like, you know, it's something you do. You know, you grow up, you go to high school, you go to college, you get married, and then you have kids. But, you know, nobody asks themselves, well, do I have what is required? And what is right. required. What is the bare minimum of having a child is the yeah. only thing that's required. I'm so glad yeah. you just said that. I'll let you continue. Yeah. It's like, you know, what it, do I have what it takes? And yeah, so that that's a hard question. You don't have to be perfectly healed. Of course, you know, you don't have to be this like amazing guru to have children, but I really think that you need to have at least some kind of understanding, some kind of insight, some kind of awareness into your issues, into your into your triggers, into your own childhood issues, so that you can catch yourself when you're doing them to your child, because you will do them to your child. 
But if you don't have this awareness, if you think you're going to be this amazing parent with like, it's a walk in the park, you know, I got married, I'm ready, let's have children. It's well, then you're in and your children are in for a wild ride that, <laughs> that, that nobody knows where it's going to go. But, you know, it's terrifying. But at the same time, at the same time, when there's a when there's a rupture, like when there is a, a break in the relationship, when there's some kind of wounding, you know, like you, I don't know, like something happens and you get, you get angry, you can't control yourself and you just, you know, yell at your kids. And these things happen, right? As you said, we're human, but the most important part is to take responsibility for it, acknowledge it, to apologize, to come back and repair the relationship and to show that you didn't mean to do it. Because it's not about like, you know, never having these problems in relationships, like not just for your kids, but in life, like we're not giving this message to our children that, you know, everybody should be perfect at all times. That's not possible. We can fuck up sometimes, but the most important part is coming back, always coming back, not abandoning, coming back and apologizing and trying to do better and trying to repair the relationship. And that's so important because children respond well to that. I mean, of course, there's some things that cannot be repaired, but, you know, most of this, most of this uh, things that parents do wrong, like, you know, having your own tantrum while your child is having a tantrum, you know, things like that, or like being too harsh on them or, you know, not being understanding enough, like being too critical, you can go back and, and try to repair these things. And your children, when they see that, they will trust you. They will say, okay, well, you know, she, he or she, you know, they messed up, but, you know, at least they're coming back. So that means that I'm a human being who is worthy of this, like, respect and love and forgiveness and, like, coming back and, oh, look at my mom. Wow, you know, like, she was, she was really horrible to me yesterday, but today she's coming back and she's saying she's sorry and, you know, she she wants to see if I need anything. Wow, I'm worth something. I'm important. You know, people people pay attention to me, to my feelings, to my emotions. It's not the end of the world when we have these difficult experiences. That's the most important part. So it's not about being this perfect parent, but it's about being this parent who comes back every single time to repair with compassion and love and basically like being a good enough parent. You know? That is so beautiful. I love how you brought up it's not, you know, because everybody's human, everybody can make mistakes and it's the repair that makes the difference. It's taking responsibility that makes a difference. And I think that really shines a light on how a lot of parents, I think, might feel shame or feel bad for having an outburst. And instead of taking responsibility and apologizing, they just kind of go about their day as if it didn't happen and, yes. and kind of yeah. just maybe, or maybe do something nice for the child to make up for it. Like, you know, I don't know, take them shopping or something. Yeah, yeah. And I think it really leaves you as a child and into an adult with a lot of confusion about what the yeah. healthy foundation of a relationship is yeah. when you don't, when you don't have that repair, you just kind of sweep the pain under the rug. Yeah. And like, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but whenever I would apologize as a child, the parent would respond, you're not sorry because or else you wouldn't have done it. And how confusing is that when your parent never takes responsibility and never oh, apologizes? Yeah. And then so you think, okay, well, if if you if you are not sorry, you never would have done it, then you have done all these things to me and you're not sorry. Like it's very confusing, right? 
And it it leaves you feeling like you're not valid and your pain really doesn't matter. And even your attempt at repair Mm. is insignificant. It like Mm. when you, when you cut off someone's attempt at repair, Mm. it like leaves a person wounded in a way that is like, Oh my God, I can never fuck something up because they're going to, they're never going to allow repair. So glad you brought this up. So important. So important. And I think this is like literally one of the most invalidating things that can happen to a child. You know, you go back, you apologize. And then, you know, even that's not enough. You know, it's like, well, you know, you should have, you should have known better. Well, I don't know better. You know, I'm, I'm fucking six years old or, you know, like 10 years old. Like, yes. It's like, you show me, you know, like, what am I going to do? Like parent myself at, at age five? Like, what do you want? You know, like. And that also brings uh, yeah. up another point that the child cannot manipulate the parent because I, I hear that with my clients mm-hmm. as well. Like yeah. my mom thought I was manipulating her because I didn't want to eat the food that no. she made. And it's no. just really sad because children no. and babies, they cry because they need something, not because they're trying to yeah. like manipulate you or be yeah. a bad child. You yeah. get told you're right. bad when you cry. Right. But yeah, that how do you how else do you express your needs when you cannot communicate them logically? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, there's no such thing as manipulative children. There's no such thing as bad children. Children cannot fail at being children. You know, like their their job is to be children, which means to have needs, you know, and then it's the adults and the environment's responsibility to meet those needs. So a child, I'm sorry, but cannot ever be manipulative. You, You can project your own manipulation on them your own manipulativeness on them, but a child cannot be manipulative. You have to look at what need is behind this thing that you're calling manipulation. And then you start to understand. But this is the problem with the, you know, with the emotional, emotionally unavailable parents who don't have any self-awareness or parents who haven't done the work on themselves. It's like everything becomes, the, the child becomes a way to regulate their own emotions because you know they're so bad at at the emotion regulation at you know self-awareness so it's it all comes at the child's expense you know they they have to use the child to take care of their own emotions and that's so that's so heartbreaking for the child because it's like well okay I can't be a child, you know, I have to take care of mommy, I have to take care of daddy, I have to, you know, repress my emotions in such a way that, you know, I can tease out that, you know, tiny little bit of like understanding and, and, you know, emotional maturity and self-awareness out of my mom. And you figured it out through trial and error. It's like, oh, you know, when I'm a good girl, you know, when I have, when I have this crazy anger, but if I swallow it, then we're cool. Okay. So I will swallow my anger for the rest of my life because, you know, that's what happens. I'm not going to have any boundaries. And then, you know, these parents, they are shocked when they find out that, you know, their children are drug addicts and things like that. Yeah. It's like, what did you expect? Like you never held any of their emotions. You never, you know, listened to their big needs. So this is how they respond now. Or they're shocked, like you said earlier, when you bring up that you were emotionally impacted or affected by the way that they parented and their response is like, how dare you say this? I always loved you. Yeah, You know, for me, it's always invalidating anything that is not happiness and going straight to you have an awesome life. 
you know, like it's, it's crazy. It's crazy how mm-hmm. people are so afraid of their own vulnerability yeah. Exactly. That they continue to bypass your emotions. Some people yeah. just cannot. They cannot yeah. hold space for anything that they have. No. And I think it's because, no. mm-hmm. you know, energy or emotions are energy in motion. And some people yeah. just shove it down for so long that the yeah. second they they let out a little bit of steam, it's like they're going to explode because they've yeah. just kept it all bottled up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's why it's so important to 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 work on authenticity, like being like being real, like being honest, being being real, not being so nice, allowing yourself to get a little bit angry sometimes, like allowing yourself to 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 swear a little bit, I don't know, like scream into a pillow, like whatever. Just embracing that part of you that's, you know, that's a little crazy or something because otherwise you're going to bottle everything up and that's not you because you're feeling angry, but on the like on the inside you're feeling angry, but on the outside you're acting as if you're not angry, as if you know what's going on is okay. Well, that's not you. It's like this, you know, like this this break happens between like you know the real Barlas versus this like fake version of Barlas. And then once I've done that, I have to stick with the fake version because it's like, well, you know, I wasn't angry then, so you know, I'm not angry at this too. And then, you know, my whole life becomes this fucking theater play that I put on to, you know, keep the emotions secret and to look good or, you know, like to, to, to look, to be perceived a certain way and things like that. And as you said, um, there's a lot of encouragement of that, not like not only by parents, but by the society too. We are just, you know, it's year 2022. Like we're just starting to talk about like, you know, burnout at work. And, you know, like people coming from like toxic families and, you know, how emotionally neglecting your children is also damaging, you know, it's like all these things, it's like, come on, you know, but I think there's a collective awakening, there's a collective shift, you know, you see it on social media too, like there's a reason why the holistic psychologist has like 5.5 million followers, you know, like there's a reason why, you know, we do these podcasts and it, and it really resonates with people because We've been so hurt and we have been so misunderstood and unheard that we need some kind of a community, some kind of a discussion, at least some kind of acknowledgement, some kind of talking, starting around these issues. It's not perfect. You know, it, it doesn't solve everything, but it has to start because through that honesty, through that, you know, authenticity, through that calling a spade a spade, through that we can heal. Otherwise, we're going to keep faking and acting as if and being inauthentic and that causes more and more and more pain yeah and we have limited time on this world so you better be authentic you better live your own life Absolutely. and along those lines you brought up not only people living in their authenticity but just acknowledging and validating our pain and things like burnout in the workplace and for me yeah. specifically being a men's mental health coach i focus yeah. a lot on men i'm not sure how many of your clients are men versus women. But I wonder if you would have any tips for men specifically, because in mm-hmm. society, their emotions are vastly invalidated mm-hmm. more than mm-hmm. women, I would say, because women are, you know, they're able to go to their friends, they're able to talk about things and yeah. men are not. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, men are not. And it's really tough for us to be able to open up to be able to be able to be vulnerable i mean 
this conditioning is so deep like it, it's crazy even even for me as a, as a psychologist you know I, I studied this stuff and and everything when i was doing my own therapy when, when i started doing my own therapy years ago in my 20s i would get this like physical reaction like this this physical resistance this physical aversion to like saying you know i am really sad right now you know and and you know i just want to you know, go home and cry or something like that. So working on the emotional expression, that's the most important thing I think man need to do. You cannot, you, you're not going to act as if you're not going to put on the, the mask of this, of this man who knows what they're doing. We don't know what we're doing. We're human. We get sad. We get angry. N not allowing certain emotions into your life is not the solution. The solution is acknowledging everything that's happening in your experience, you know, good, bad, whatever you label them, acknowledge the experience, breathe into it, and then consciously choose with this power that you have as a man, as an adult, this power you have to make a decision, to make a choice about how to act. And, you know, this is why I named my Instagram account Accept and Act. You know, it's like accept whatever is going on, good or bad, because otherwise you can't make a decision if you don't know what's going on. You're in the dark. If you don't accept it, accept whatever is going on, even if it's hard, even if it's painful. And then based on that acceptance, based on that knowledge and awareness, do something, you know, to, to help yourself or to feel a little bit better. And sometimes, you know, doing nothing is also a choice and and doing something so emotion expression emotion work that's number one for men number two trying to find communities it can be like online communities it can be a course it can be a class it can be group therapy it can be a men's group it can be a support group it can be a facebook group i don't know finding other men who are willing and able who are at least like trying to do the work, to try to be vulnerable, to try to understand their emotions, to try to make that connection with with themselves, you know, to to try to make that connection with the parts of themselves that were taken away from them under the you know male conditioning of you know shut up, keep going, like you don't have any needs, just you know the only thing you can do is to get angry and to get drunk and it's like just breaking out of that with other like-minded guys like for me <laughs> for me what helped was i started motorcycling i've always been really really into it but i never had had a chance to do it because i was always like studying or like traveling in different countries and stuff finally you know i got my like 10 years ago i got my motorcycle license and through that i was like initiated into this brotherhood of like men who like to ride and you know these are men you know who have who have their own own things going on you know they have their families they have their jobs whatever but we have something in common you know we we like motorcycles and through that you start bonding through that you start finding guys who are maybe also like therapists like you or they're going into their therapy or you know they've been to they've downloaded a meditation app and you know they start talking about that and through that like starting these conversations that you normally wouldn't have <laughs> as men you know because like that's our conditioning it's like drink beer you know talk about girls talk about football and you know cars and you know things like that going beyond that you know it's like you're, you're my brother you're my friend 
do you need anything? You know, we need to we need to take care of each other. We need to stand up for each other. We we shouldn't be competing, like you know, as if the the resources are always so scarce or something. So you know, creating this brotherhood, opening up emotionally, being vulnerable, and trying to to hold each other accountable, like you know, like getting each other to do the things that they said they would do, you know, th that's so important. And we should do this for ourselves too. Like not just, I call this compassionate self-discipline. And again, you know, it's com it comes from self-reparenting. It comes from inner child work. It's like, well, if you said that you would do something to a child, you better fucking do it because then, you know, you're going to break, you're going to break their heart and they're not going to trust you, you know? So you can't say that, oh, okay, you know, let me finish my work and then we're going to go get some ice cream and then not go get ice cream. You better go get that ice cream. So it's the same thing for us. You know, if you said that, you know, you're going to start reading this self-help book or whatever, start reading that self-help book, you know, <laughs> set a time for it because you said you do it. So it's the same for men too. The compassionate self-discipline with ourselves, with, with each other, holding each other accountable, brotherhood love and sharing the emotion work and when you do that life gets so much better nobody's going to think that you're weak nobody's going to think that you're stupid people are going to love you more because you're being a real human being you're you're having these like complete parts not just you know the, these restricted parts these chosen little fake parts that the society wants you to have yeah absolutely allowing yourself to express fully allows you to be yeah. more of the man that you yeah. are because yeah. when you restrict you're restricting you're limiting yourself you're limiting yourself to your yeah. full expression and so thank you so much for giving those tips because i think a lot of men you know even what resonates so much with the childhood wounding i think a lot of people are going to feel yeah. really validated listening to this conversation and i know that we're so. nearing yeah. the end so just as a last question yeah you know for anybody out there who's just started their healing journey or, you know, they're, they're kind of struggling. Are there any words of wisdom that you would part ways with them for them to kind of continue on their journey? Yeah. So what I want to tell everyone is, is this to be able to receive love, to be able to be loved, to be able to be cared for, to be able to, to be worth something. You don't have to do anything. So like really, really trying to step into this almost like cosmic, sacred self-worth that we all have, because a child is a miracle. A child is a gift from the universe. You know, a child is like a little god or, or a little goddess, because it's such a miracle. It's such a special thing. Now you are still that thing. So no matter how far you've fallen or whatever, you know, like no matter what has happened to you, no matter what you've said, no matter what you've done, you can still, you still deserve love. And that love has to come from the inside. And to be able to allow that love to come from the inside, you need to work on connecting yourself. And connecting yourself looks like spending time with yourself, spending time by yourself. You can meditate, you can practice mindfulness, you can create, you know, you can draw, you can sing, you can paint, you can write, you can read. You need to find a way to like go back into yourself and find that connection, find that validation. And you can do that at any moment. Like you don't need a special trick for it. It doesn't cost anything. You can do it like, so what am I feeling right now? Checking in with yourself throughout the day, a couple of times. 
how am I feeling? What is this emotion that I feel? Like, what is my experience right now? Is there something in my body that, you know, this emotion is coming from? Like, how is my body feeling, basically? And what is the need behind this feeling or, or physical sensation? If you can do this, you're going to form this connection with yourself because that's you connecting with yourself. That's you turning inwards, looking at yourself and, and saying, oh, okay, hi, what do you need? Do you need anything? Is there anything I can do for you? Is everything good? Doing this at least once a day in, in, you know, in calm and quiet as much as you can do. Just you know, taking like 20 seconds and being like, how am I feeling? right now, like not today, like right now, you know, am I, am I sad? Am I happy? Like what's coming? What's coming? Like when I turn in inwards, like what's coming to the surface and whatever comes, you accept it. You say, ah, oh, okay. You know, there's a little bit of sadness or there's a little bit of exhaustion or there's a little bit of anger. I don't know. You say, that's fine. That's fine. You're human. You feel whatever you feel. It's all good. Now, what do you need? What does this sadness need? What does this anger need? What does this exhaustion need? Do you need to rest? Do you need to be, do you need to talk to a friend? Do you need to eat? Do you need to sleep? So looking at the looking at the needs behind the emotions, but to be able to do that, you need to first look at yourself. So, and that's kind of like the basic awareness, basic mindfulness. And that's where all the healing and self-development practices start from looking at yourself and through that, taking action about what you need and what you need to do, what you need to change, basically. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Barlas, for this amazing eye-opening, yeah. you know, podcast. We deep dove into so much childhood yeah. inner healing, and I'm so grateful to have you here today. Yeah. And anybody who's thank listening, you. I'm going to drop all of his yeah. links, his social medias, except an act in the show notes. You can reach out to him, follow his content. It's amazing, very insightful, eye-opening and healing. So thank you so much for showing up here today. And thank you everybody who's listening and I'll catch you next time.